welcome to the Monarch Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, John Sillis. I'd just like to say a quick thank you to all the guys who've left a review on the podcast. This has really helped with our podcast ranking and moving us up. For anyone who's listening to this, all I can ask is to help grow this movement. Could you recommend this podcast to a friend if you found the information useful? And please leave us a review on the platform you're using. On this week's episode, I'm joined by Shan McLachlan. Shannon is a veteran of the New Zealand Defence Force, having served at the Royal New Zealand Signal Corps as an electronic warfare operator before moving over to the Physical Training Corps as a PTI. With over 18 years of experience as a strength and conditioning coach, her lifestyle and family life with her husband, who is a serving Special Forces soldier, and her two sons, revolving around sport, health, physical fitness, adventure, and hunting. Aside from her work with military personnel, Shannon has trained sport men and women from grassroots to national level, in this episode, Shan talks about her early career and her drive to become a PTI, some of the main faults she sees when it comes to training female athletes, understand female physiology to maximize performance training, and her drive to build and launch her own company, Train Her. Shan complements with her own competitive background, having competed in numerous sports, including multi-sport races, powerlifting, and bodybuilding events. Good morning, Shan, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? doing very very good thanks how's uh how's things over in new zealand yeah they're going great actually um we're sort of moving into spring now so um we've got um that late season of snow coming through and um yeah life life is normal and i've got to say quickly a quick shout to uh, dan cooper just saying thank you very much for putting uh introducing us to each other and getting this lined up it's a great network of people out there and doing this show helps me speak to a lot of interesting people from around the globe. So thank you very much. Uh, obviously me and you, Shannon, have had some uh, conversations off air and got to know each other a bit, but for anyone who isn't familiar with you or your work, can you just give us a little bit of an overview of yourself and you know where you start out and what you're currently doing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so look, I, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Um, I joined the army in 1999 um, as a Royal Signaler. Um, and I deployed um, as electronic warfare operator. Um, from there, I, uh, I did the PTI selection training in 2002, which I successfully passed um, within that first attempt. Um, from there, I was posted as a PTI to our army depot in Wauru, um, where I was training the enlisted recruits um, and the officer cadets. Um, <laughs> My husband was also in the military as well, so um, his career generally dictated where we were posted. Um, and in 2008, um, I decided to leave the army and um, we actually moved to Perth, Western Australia, where he rejoined and um, I ended up working with Super Rugby, um, Western Force Rugby until I had my children. Um, after the boys sort of got to an age where I could go back to work, um, I was employed to set up um, a surf sports academy um, in Western Australia called um, or North Cottesloe Surf Sports Academy. Um, and then in 2017, we decided to move back to New Zealand, build our house and, and raise our boys as Kiwi kids. Mm -hmm. um, last season, I ended up with the, um, in a role as head of athletic performance for the New Zealand this year with coronavirus. So <laughs> that's me. Obviously, starting off in the, the Royal Signals and then moving across to the PTI branch, I take it 
the New Zealand army structure is similar to what we've got here in the UK. You can't go directly into PTI. You've got to join uh, another regiment or corps and then transfer across, does it? Yeah, that's that's exactly correct. Um, and in fact, I think it's it's modelled off the the British um, PTI Corps. Okay. Okay. What was the the thrust for you to move away from signals into the PTI? Like, has it always been a burning desire to make that move, or was it just something you saw while you were serving? Yeah, honestly, I um I joined the army to become a physical training instructor. At at that time, there was no female physical training instructors uh, in the army. Um, and um, I was, in fact, I was actually really dirty that I had to join a trade first, but um, I had to, so um, that was good. And um, I ended up being quite young when I did selection. Um, and when I came through selection, um, not long before me, New Zealand had their first female PTI come through. So there was a lady named Karen Walker. So she was a great inspiration for me coming through. How did you find when you moved over to the PTI Corps as well? So working with the, um, you said down at Depot with regards to the new recruits and new officers and stuff like that. What was the challenges around that? Like just moving into there and obviously being one of the, the well, second or one of the, the uh, early females into that sort of role? Yeah, so yeah, I came through as the second female along with another another girl mm -hmm. there was quite a few females on my selection course and um and myself and um a lady who's who's actually still still in the army as a physical training instructor. i think she runs one of the gyms up in up in the north island um so yeah look i i, I loved it i absolutely loved my job and i um i loved the challenge um of of coming through um sort of a, a selection that didn't have double standards for for women um, and I'm really proud of of coming through the way that I did and and I and I love the job and I love the core um, yeah does that answer your question <laughs> yeah that does that does that's uh, interesting to say about like the, the standards and stuff like that and that's something I'd like to chat to you about like in a little bit but um just regards and like then obviously you've been coaching and you've been working as a strength coach for a while now and that what, what's your general just philosophy around training and that for the, the individuals you've worked with? Yeah, so my philosophy, I try to keep it pretty simple. Um, there's not much to it, actually. It's, it sort of goes train hard, eat well, repeat, <laughs> if you like. Um, you know, there's no tricks or no secrets or no shortcuts. It's, um, it's just the hard work mm -hmm. equals the results. And as I said to you before, like I'm, I'm the same with philosophy-wise as well. Nice and uh, condensed and just to the point. Um, I'm one of those guys that can't stand other strength coaches who have like the 20-page the memoirs of like what their philosophy is and stuff like that. It's just like, right, okay, if you can't <laughs> scribble it down within like five or six points, you know, get out of here. So obviously you've uh, worked through a quite diverse range there as a PTI and then obviously moving into Super Rugby for a bit with the um, the Warriors, uh, the Women's Warriors team there as well. Um, what, what do you typically see with regards to training of the female athlete? What do you see is sometimes the, well, the common faults won by trainers would make, you know, from a male's perspective and what are some of the common faults made by female athletes trying to improve performance? I think... Um, look, physio you know, physiologically, women are different than men, and um, in order to elicit the desired performance, they do need to be trained differently. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think where some of the faults lie is um, rather than using training interventions, um, focused, I guess, should be more prioritised on tracking and monitoring that athlete cycle so that they could um, adapt their preparation and the nutrition in order to, I guess, minimise the performance impact. Is, I guess those are the two main things where I think um, go wrong within training females. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you say tracking, what do you mean exactly? Are you talking around menstrual cycles and stuff? or? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, everything as well. Um, you know, this menstrual cycle is, is one part of it, but the other parts are also um, hydration and sleep um, and nutrition and recovery. So, um, and I think that's an important fact to note that when training woman it's menstrual cycle is not the only part mm-hmm. um but it definitely is one of the key components um so yeah definitely training the the menstrual cycle um when we look at the menstrual cycle um it splits you know typically it's usually around a 28 day cycle it, it splits um in the middle with ovulation there in the middle so the first day one to 14 is is the follicular follicular phase um, your main hormone is your estrogen um, and during that stage, estrogen will impact the female's physiology, you know, without even noticing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in day 15 to 28, we talk about um, the late or the luteal phase, which is um, progestion. Um, and that will affect the female's metabolism and eating habits. Um, yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, and I think if we can educate our athletes and and monitor you know some girls don't even know um you know their phases of their cycle or how to watch out for so i think as a coach if we can um track it and be able to give feedback on those particular phases that athletes going to be able to um monitor themselves and, and be responsible for their own nutrition and their own diet okay cool so what sort of uh, advice would you give to, say, like a young athlete who just isn't aware of, you know, those different phases of their cycle and what they should be really doing around each phase as well, around their nutritional intake? Yeah, so look, there, there's some really good, um, there's starting to become some great research out there. Um, it's, still, it's, still not, um, it's still not amazing, but there is a company out there which... Um, who I, they're my go-to for, um, as a strength and conditioning coach, um, if I need um, advice or um, sort of information to help athletes. But there's an app or a period tracking app called Fitter Woman. You may have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Orico have designed it. Um, and it's a tailored um, sort of nutrition and training suggestions for the stages of an athlete cycle. Um, so these girls can actually use the Fitter Woman app to track their periods, report symptoms, logs. Um, yeah, so that would be my advice to them and um, it allow them to be more in touch with their training. Because I know um, it was a couple of years back now, I think it was on the, the run-up uh, to London 2012 games. I remember sitting in watching the presentation by the guys at GB Hockey with the women's team there. And obviously they did a lot of work on um, the the role of contraception and like the menstrual cycle and where their testosterone uh, peaks were going to be within that it was really interesting to see where they'd get those peaks like depending if the the girls run like oral contraception or not you know and like how high that peak was 
my mind's gone blank with regards to days and like how long into that. But offhand, Chan, with your knowledge and that, do you know when girls would have that peak of testosterone and when they could start uh, really utilize that heavy strength training and emphasis at that like that time period? I tend to follow the fitter woman um, sort of the phasing. So we talk in phase one, two, three, and four. So okay. um, so phase one being when the female is actually bleeding. And, um, and that is actually quite a great phase to be in. Um, that second phase or, or phase two, that's where we can get our most strength gains. So um, that's for me when I'm, you know, if we're moving through, let's say, training interventions as such, that's where I tend to put a lot of my high loading mm-hmm. um, for girls in that, that second phase, um, which is that follicular phase that, um, you're sort of looking at day seven to fourteen ish, depending on um, you know the, the individual. Obviously, with the the girls, sometimes that that knowledge as well. What I've seen typically within like some of the the female athletes I've worked with, especially some of the younger ones coming into the gym, is just that mindset around training. Like it, for those who are a little bit older and have got that drive for it and understand the training process is a little bit easier. But for some of the younger ones coming in. The first thing they do is take one look at me and be like, well, you know, I don't want to look like you. And this is despite <laughs> trying to be like, you know, an international rugby player. Um, how, how do you get around some of those barriers? Or do you still, do you have those same sort of discussions with female athletes when they come in the gym? To be honest, I, I don't really. Um, I, I, I think by the time I get them, they're actually ready to achieve their goals and um, that they're willing to do what it takes. But um, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Um, I, I try to educate as much as possible and I, I put the education back in, um, you know, sort of their court um, and I sort of explain to them when, let's take a month, for example, of a, you know, training block. I'll show them where I'm going to load them a little bit higher, a little bit lower and, and the reasons why we're going to do this. So um, mm-hmm. I think once we talk about the whys, I, I end up getting the buy-in from the athlete with regards to um, getting the buy-in and stuff like that with the athlete, obviously, um, how, does it, how does that differ at all? Well, if at all, does it differ with um, any you know, females you work with who are going for military selection as well within that? Yeah, look, that's a, that is a funny one. I've got a couple of um, young girls that are in that enlistment phase. And, you know, you would think the buy-in is there, but it's not. Okay. Um, um, and I, and all I can really go back to is me being the same age and I had, like, I knew what I wanted to do. So, you know, I, I came, I came ready and prepared for, um, you know, the minimum standard of fitness tests where I'm, I'm not seeing that in some of the young girls that are enlisting. Um, but the buy-in from the females that are in that are, that are wanting to go into those tactical roles. Yeah. That, that buy-in is there. Um, and they're ready to to take that step further and to actually train hard and yes two two different two different um levels of Mm -hmm. um military there if you like you're saying about that that readiness for them who are going into these tactical roles uh some of them aren't aren't meeting that you know general readiness what what do you see are the the main gaps in the the female athletes you know preparation for going down the tactical route the main flaws in female physical preparation, I guess, for um, 
careers in the military. Um, oh, look, in, in my in my opinion, um, it would be a lack of sufficient knowledge within those military training institutions, um, I guess, to adequately prepare female soldiers throughout the initial stages of their training. Um, mm -hmm. And look, I've been out a long time, so I don't, um, I would hope that education within those um, institutions have changed, but I'm just not sure that they have. Okay. So I guess that's the, the main, the main one is just that insufficient knowledge. Um, the other one, I guess, um, traditionally military physical training conducted at that subunit level would be over-prescribed in the aerobic exercise and mm -hmm. muscular endurance. Um, and look, due to a high athlete instructor ratio um, at the expense of good strength, agility and power training, you know, there's big, big classes. So I, look, I, I get, I, I, I sort of get why they do what they do, but look, I think that would be a, a big flaw in, in training a female athlete, you know, if we're leaving those, um, Components of physical fitness out and those are the components of physical fitness that are required for the physical demands of military personnel with regards to how things are like down New Zealand um, for your like for your selection criteria do you know what the, the the main selection criteria is for someone who's going in um, say to an infantry role at the moment or like a ground close combat role so here in the UK we have changed it to just like a, a completely gender neutral testing process. So everyone does the same uh, weights, everyone does the same times, sort of thing. So, you know, if you want to serve in an infantry role or someone who's in ground close combat, you have to meet these standards. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a great, that is a great way to be, right? Because the, um, you know, when you look at um, the job, the battlefield has no gender, right? So yeah. um, just soldiers and equipment that must move in order to win and survive. Um, you know, the GPMG is still always the same. Do you know, I've been out of New Zealand um, with, within their Defence Force for quite a while now and mm -hmm. more affiliated with the Australians. And yeah, the Australians have moved to a little bit more of a, a test like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's just, it's just interesting to see. And like you say there, there is like on the battlefield that, you know, there's no gender differences there. It's just like the, the, the kit and the ammo and stuff's all going to weigh the same regardless of who picks up. So, yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, that's, right. that's right. And I guess where I get a little bit confused is, is, is they have those um, double standards or um, within that entry requirement. You know, you've mm -hmm. got female times and, and male times and all that sort of stuff yet. Um, yeah, well, it's interesting. I don't, I don't agree with it. I, I, I do believe that, um, you know, there are disparities that exist between men and women. So definitely drawing a distinction between correctly programming for the female soldier compared to a man is imperative when, you know, when attempting to increase that overall athletic ability. But... Um, I guess let me be clear, whilst I think there are better ways for uh, to prepare female soldiers, I don't think there should be a different in standards of fitness requirements. Mm -hmm. no, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that, Shannon. Um, I was going to ask you then, just with regards to like the work you do as an SNC coach at the moment and that, so if you had 
say like a brand new very very raw very green like into training uh female athlete who's like look shannon i want to join up i want to join the infantry i want to join grand close combat but i've never trained i've never done any structured training what would be what would be your step-by-step process for that you know what would day one with that individual look like and how would you you know set that up for them to get ready for selection or going through testing or whatever it is so how how i tend to do it is we you know, I, I do a whole lot of screening so I can see what I'm working with. And then we do a whole lot of objective tests to measure performance. Um, and then I tend to write a training program, um, you know, around that and around their goals of getting into the military. Um, mm-hmm. I must say, I, I do like to use a sort of an adapted conjugate method to prepare female soldiers. Um, okay. That's just, that's just something that I've, uh, I've personally seen works with with females. Um, well, what what uh, what's your main strength test? Then you'd run with your athletes. So, say best case scenario, they could make it in, see you face to face, and work with you. What would you run them through? Yes, yeah, so I I tend to stay away from the one rep max tests, and I usually use a three or a five rep max. Um, and then from there, I'll just I'll work it out what their one rep one RM is. I, I tend to think if that one rep max can be quite scary if a, if a young girl hasn't really trained trained like that before. Yeah. And I've only done that through experience of, you know, trying that maximal strength testing and it's, it didn't work. So, you know, for that, <laughs> for, for that female athlete that potentially hasn't done a lot. And obviously, like, I don't, I've got young one girl who's 17 at the moment who I actually haven't tested like that um, purely for the fact that, you know, her, her hinge and her squat pattern isn't actually that good. So we've got about a year to build, to build her up. She's, she's looking at finishing school first. And yeah, so each, for me, each athlete will be individually sort of looked after as well. And that is really also to ensure that she has an optimal level of physical preparedness also whilst reducing that potential of injury um, mm-hmm. rather than doing sort of a block periodization with, with those athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely. I'd agree with you on that, that, you know, a block periodization method, I just don't see the applicability to that population group as well. Like, you know, especially once you're in, have to be ready year round, you know, potentially go. Um, obviously what you said about your screen and your testing battery, what, what do you typically use to screen? Do you do like an FMS? Do you do a triple A? You know, what, what's your screening test? So, um, so depends if I'm with that athlete um, or not. And what I mean by that is I do a lot of um, training. Training females is, comes with its unique set of um, issues. And look, this is all pre-COVID as well. So mm-hmm. um, I t- train a lot of them remotely. And that's just because of location or... Um, you know, it, it could be that they can't afford to drive in to come and see me. Um, so I do do a lot of stuff online. Um, so yeah, I would generally use an FMS. Um, and then from there, if I don't have any, if I don't have that client with me and it is remotely, we, we do, um, you know, we might do a vertical jump or I might do, um, depending on what um, law enforcement they've come through, we'll do some sort of... Um, physical conditioning uh, test that's within that unit. So it, it might be the police force. So it might be the Cooper's test here in New Zealand. or um, And then we do the strength testing 
Um, and then from there, we will do that again at about sort of that 12 week mark or. Agree, agree with you on that. Like, I think you have to be a pre-seasoned athlete or a lifter, you know, to get the most out of one RM testing. So for most athletes, they say it scares the shit out of them to get under a heavy load for one rep. And it's an all or, all or nothing effort, at least with a three RM or a five RM. They've gone off ramp, as I always call it. So, you know, they get rep two and like, shit, this isn't going back up. And they can quickly rack it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And look, generally, that's if I'm with that athlete as well. I don't tend to give that, that out remotely. You know, when we first started chatting, obviously, you mentioned about um, you'd done some work with the New Zealand Warriors women's team. And um, obviously, you're starting up your own business now and your own like uh, sort of thing with regards to S&C. You just talk to us a little bit more about your business, how you came up with the idea of it and why you wanted to go down this path and, you know, how can people find out a little bit more about it? Interestingly enough, um, this all came about because of my time with the New Zealand Warriors and um, I was such a great group of girls and a great club to work for. Um, and I guess for me, you know, I, I had been in with professional sports before um, and this was just a complete different complete different setup from what I was used to. You know, the girls, the girls are spread out across New Zealand. So, you know, you've got girls in Christchurch, the South Island, um, the North Island, the East Coast, the West Coast. We had girls in Fiji and we had girls in Australia. And um, the, the idea that it was that I was to write, uh, you know, an in-season training program for these girls. And um, we would sort of meet once a month and, that's how training would be done. And then in the last few weeks of um, this sort of campaign, we would all get together for sort of four weeks and consolidate everything. And, um, and, and that's, there was a couple of things like you, within the NRLW can't train um, together as a squad um, sort of outside a certain time frame. Mm-hmm. So, um, the rest of it was was done remotely. Um, and at the time, you know, when I got up there, I had written all the girls sort of training programs with the intent to change a few of them on position. And um, if any of the girls were injured or, or whatever, I handed all these um, sort of training logs out that I had, that was, had been my system for a long time. And um, I, I realized I was working with a, an athlete that potentially had never been in a gym. Mm-hmm they're semi-professional and some of them are even at national level so you know whilst they're amazing on the footy field um, this was a whole new world for them and look not all of them some of the girls were incredible and had incredible drive and self-motivation so they they were physically fit and ready to go Um, but for the majority they weren't so I had to sort of that system didn't work for me and um, you, you know I would put, right, we're going to do a, a quarter squat. And the girls had no idea what that was. So therefore, you know, we're doing things remotely. Once a month, we're coming together and they just weren't remembering the stuff that I was trying to show them or we were trying to do it on Zoom and then Skype and then email. And then it was just messy and clunky. Um, and so I ended up, putting all my programming on a um, like a software app called Team Builder and that worked fantastically. Um, 
but it didn't have everything that I wanted in mm -hmm. there. So um, once the season had finished, the girls actually did really well within the season. Um, they bet the um, unbeaten team, the Broncos. Um, we, we had a great season. So I decided that I needed to bring this into the, um, the private sector. I felt like if these girls were at national level and they weren't getting real periodized training programs that were accessible to their own lives, you know, their mothers, their, um, some were police officers, some were teachers, um, there had to be a better way. So I, this year, I have pulled away from professional sports and have been developing my business called Train Her. And, and, and it, it does exactly that. It, it trains the athlete wherever she is in her day-to-day -day life. Um, it has videos I can load um, nutrition. I have a fantastic sports nutrition on who um, is quite well, well renowned here in New Zealand, within certainly within rugby. Um, we've got recovery modalities on there. We've got um, I can um, we've got holistic measuring so we can look at wellness, menstruation, um, everything gets loaded. Um, all my, um, sort of my, I can analyze all the load and we can even actually hook it up to Smarter Base and Catapult. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, that's, it's been a big year. We're, we're actually operational. We have athletes on, but our, our, uh, we're still about to launch the uh, website. Okay, cool. Um, with regards to the website then, where, where can people find that? Okay, so we are, our website is trainher.co.nz um, and we are, we've got a holding page up there at the moment, but um, we should be live within a matter of weeks actually. So whilst we, you know, whilst if there is anybody out there that wants to um, start training, we actually can do that. Um, it's just that our website's not up yet. We also have an Instagram. Nice, and what, what's that? How can folk get in touch with you through Instagram? Yeah, so, so just, message, um, just message me through Instagram and I'm, I'm pretty good at replying straight away. Um, and, and that one there is train her and then it's underscore athletic underscore performance. I'll make sure that I'll pop in the, the website and your Instagram account into our show notes. So if anyone wants to get in touch, they can do that quick and easy as well. I'm always interested with everyone I've always chatted to on the show. I'm always interested to find out, you know, what they're doing for their own development and, you know, um, you know, books of reading and stuff like that to get themselves better in that. Is there a book, an app or a website recommendation you could give us that's helped with your development or your education? Yeah. So look, all, my life has just completely revolved around the business. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I guess the app that I would recommend is Fitter Woman. Um, and like I mentioned before, that's a period tracking app. Um, it's, it's what we encourage our athletes to use. Um, mm -hmm. And then as a coach, I would suggest Fitter Coach. Um, and that's where athletes will give you the permission to share their Fitter Woman profiles um, with you so that you as a strength and conditioning coach can uh, monitor their status in real time and plan ahead. I'll make sure I drop both of them in the show notes that's awesome listen shan thank you very much for a insightful and informative uh, chat and thank you very much for taking the time out early in your day to speak to me hey thank you very much for the invite and um thanks to dan for uh, for linking us in and um yeah i hope we hope we can chat again soon
Definitely, Sean. Thank you very much. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed the content here, please check out our website at monarchhumanperformance.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with future podcast episodes, articles, and upcoming content, including training programs and live and online workshops.